our message from this morning in the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Did anybody get anything out of this morning's service, or did I just blow a bunch of hot air? Colossians 2. Go to verse 10. I'm sorry, not 10, but 19. I have forgot my glasses again in my lunchbox. No, in the side of it. Colossians 2 and verse 19, and not holding the head from which all of the body by joints and by bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances or laws? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and the doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility, and neglecting the body, not in any honoring of the satisfying of the flesh. This is the Colossians two battle. This is when we win. The message I'm going to preach is a message of victory. In the end, we win. In the end, we have our victory. In the end, we claim victory. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to deliver your word. Anoint our ears to hear your word in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. We win in the end. When I go into the battle, I don't go to the battle as if I'm going to lose. I go into any fight as though I'm going to win. I don't go to a fight unless I know I have the resources to win the battle. If I have the backing to win the battle, I don't go into a fight. This is wisdom, because if you're going to get into a fight in the schoolyard, you better know you're going to win the fight. You better go into it knowing you're going to whoop that bully and destroy the enemy. You can't go into a fight with the attitude of defeat. It never would work. You can't go to this world with an attitude of defeat. Why? Because the world knows that if if you're ashamed of the gospel... The world knows if you have an attitude of defeat, they're going to destroy you and walk all over you. The enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is looking to see if he's able to devour us. He's looking for weakness. He's looking for frustration. He's looking for envying. 
He's looking for jealousy. These are all signs of weaknesses in our flesh. These are all signs of weaknesses that are in our, 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 our spirit, you might say. But more, more than anything, the works of the flesh. He looks for somebody getting angry all the time. He looks for somebody getting envious all the time. He looks for somebody getting hateful all the time. Somebody getting jealous all the time. He looks for that. And when he finds it and he finds his prey, what does he do? He hones in on the prey. He stalks the prey. You've ever seen a cat and it looks at somebody starts wiggling its rear end? Because it's stalking. It's getting ready to pounce. You ever see the dogs get down and wait for the next dog to come up? What is it doing? It's stalking its prey. It's getting ready to pounce after apostolic church service. The enemy's outside the doors and it's stalking its prey. And it's waiting for envy. It's waiting for gossip. It's waiting for somebody to rail on another person. Why? Because if it does, if that individual does, that's a weak saint. It's a weak saint no matter if you're in the minister's home or not. No matter if you're a minister or not. If you gossip, if you hate and if you're if you're backbiting, if you got nothing but good or good, nothing but good, nothing but bad things to say about one another, the enemy's wiggling its rear end, ready to pounce, like a cat, ready to pounce, like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. The enemy's not looking after the most strong saint. The enemy's looking after the weak one. The enemy's after the weak one. The enemy's after the wounded one. The enemy's trying to get the saints wounded so the enemy can pounce. How can the enemy cause us to get wounded? Life comes and it comes hard. Layoff comes and it comes hard. Death comes and it comes hard. The enemy don't have power over that. You don't have power over life unless he asks God for the, the power to destroy you. You see, a lot of people get so confused of the power of hell. On what he's able to do and what he's not able to do. And they get confused. Why would God put me through this? See, there's two different attitudes. Why would God put me through this? There's that attitude. And there's the attitude, God had enough confidence to allow me to go through what I went through so I can come out better than I did before. That's a whole different attitude to say, why would God, a loving God allow me to go through cancer? Allow me to be betrayed? Allowed me to go through this life of misery? Why would God allow me? That's a whole different attitude Then to say, you know what, if God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I was born into this world naked, I'm going to leave this world naked, it doesn't matter. Blessed be the Lord. That's a whole different attitude that says, you know what, it doesn't matter who's doing this or why it's happening. All what matters is, is if my soul's right. If my mind's right, if I'm going to make heaven my home, don't fear those that can destroy the body, but fear those that can destroy the soul. My mind is only stayed on the Lord. 
My thoughts are only stayed on the Lord. All I can do is think about how good God is in the middle of my pain and my frustration and my trial and my temptation. All I can think about is how awesome God is when I'm dealing with hurt and pain and all the works of the flesh that people's throwing at me. As the enemy stalks, a warrior walks out and sees the enemy stalking because we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We walk out and we know as a young man, I walk out and I know who's on fire for God and who's not on fire for God. I'm not ignorant of the devil's devices. When I go out into battle, when I go out into the real world, I know which girl's right with God and which girl's wrong with God. I see, I watch, I know, I see the traps the devil sets to get me wounded so he can devour me. Because the enemy knows he can't devour you at your peak, at your top of the mountain when you're flexing your muscles saying in your face devil. He can't whoop you because you know if you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, he's going to flee. The enemy knows he just has very little power, very little influence when you're on the top of the world. Hallelujah. It's when you're in your valley. And you're fighting with everything you've got. And you feel like you don't have any other strength to fight. That's when the enemy starts stalking. The enemy hones in on its prey. It's something when we, we are so in God's image, it's not even funny. Turn your neighbor and say, you're in God's image. I just got the look that I was wanting to get. Is when Isaiah looked at me like deer looking in the headlights. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I said that we are so in God's image. Why? Because we have got God's nature. We create things. We make things. With our hands, we make things. We control things. We're able to... To handle it on our own sometimes. We want to be so self-sufficient. That when we're in the middle of the valley. When we don't have any control. We're trying to take control. And not take it to the Lord in prayer. Am I confusing you? You're over here yawning. Sometimes when it gets too deep. We just zone out. and We just get real tired. You, you, we, we want to take control. See, when I was losing my mother, I didn't have any control and I was getting frustrated. And I started getting mad about the situation because I had no grasp on bringing mom back. And all I could say was goodbye. And that was very frustrating because it was out of my hands and out of my reach. When you're at your lowest and you're at your the bottom of bottoms and you feel like it's the bottomless pit and you're trying to take control you you gotta realize you're closer to the devil than you ought to think you're closer to the devil than you really think what do i mean i mean this that when you're down there and you're controlling your situation or trying to and things are unraveling and things are getting messy When we should be praying, we're trying to control and things get hairy real quick. What I mean by hairy is hairy of a lion. 
lion is seeking whom he may to kill, steal, and destroy. He's as a lion seeking whom he may kill, steal, and destroy. He's stalking. The enemy wants to get close and the enemy wants to get near, but he can't get near when we get so blinded because we're trying to control it all by ourselves. It's easy to grab it and control it and bend it and break it and make it and mold it. It's easy to handle it. But when it's out of our own control, we don't give it to God, then all of a sudden things get sour real quick. When we lose... I was out in the middle of... Lake, middle of Lake Michigan. Yeah, right. I was in the shores of Lake Michigan. And I was with my friends. I was youth leader, and I say my friends, the youth group, Michael and Ryan. And we got there, and it was probably the most unwise move I think we've ever, I've ever made as a youth leader, but it was the coolest move I've ever made as a youth leader. Put ourselves in harm's way. It was riptide and there was really high waves and we were like all right you guys want to go in that we had doubts and we were like probably we shouldn't do it but we were like this is going to be really cool to do it so we get out there and we we were probably not even maybe 10 feet from the shore where usually it's like down to your shins the waves were six feet tall and we would stand in front of the waves and it would hit us and push us right up to the shore. And it was, it was the coolest thing because we would get launched. Like it would go and the water would go out from underneath us and it would go down to our ankles. But the wave would blast us and we would jump with the waves and it would launch us to the shore. We did that for a very long time. We had a lot of fun, but then we started getting comfortable in the dangerous waters. It's something how we can get comfortable being around a lion that's been stalking us for a very long time. That's how a boy or a girl can get comfortable hanging around the opposite sex that's not in church. And then pretty soon we start meddling and we start getting feelings for that individual and eventually we compromise and we backslide because we get comfortable in dangerous waters. I'm just a friend. I'm just we're just hanging out. We're just cool. But then cool becomes something different. Then we end up too far. Anyways, we were out there and we were playing and we're having fun and we're getting lunch and I see I remember I could see Michael's face as clear as day. He was like, look at this, look at this, look at this. We'd get soaked with water, and then he'd get launched because he, and we would take turns, and it was it was, it was really it was one of the funnest times as a youth leader. Then I decided, let me go out just a little bit further. You guys stay up here. We had this pact: one goes out, we all go out. One go go out, we all don't go out. We were just kidding. Good thing nothing happened. That probably would have been a. PR nightmare. Public relations nightmare. So, I go out a little bit too far where I couldn't reach. And I was swimming. I'm going to get back to shore. But as fast as I was swimming, the rip current was pulling me out. And I was swimming 
I kept, I realized I wasn't making any grounds and they were getting farther out. Not sorry, farther out. They were going farther away from me. Panic struck. This is what they were talking about. This is that rip current that's killed hundreds of people. I'm swimming far this way. What you're supposed to do is just get on your back and, and hope they call for help. And don't wear yourself out and don't drown. Tread water, relax, wait for help to come. If help don't come, you're gone. But I was out there and I was swimming as fast as I can. And I was going away from the shore. And I was, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I was pretty a strong guy. We used to play basketball all the time and I was grabbing as much water, pushing it away from me. And the Lord told me, get down and go underwater and get your footing on the ground and walk your way to the surface. What do I do? I took as big a breath as I could and I dived down and I was only not even, I'm 6'3", I was probably 6 foot. And I got down and I grabbed a footing and I started walking toward and I fought the current going out and I fought the current going in but I walked myself back to Mike and Ryan. What do I learn from that? There's thousands of things to learn. If it says red, don't go swimming. That's the number one thing. Number two thing says, you know what? Number two thing I've learned is trust God, even if it don't make sense. But I started thinking, we got comfortable out in dangerous waters. We allowed ourselves to get, or I've allowed myself to get comfortable. I didn't let them get stupid because they wanted to get as stupid as I was. But I, I, I didn't allow myself to allow them to go. But I allowed myself to get stupid and go out a little bit too far. What does that have to do with this message? You can get complacent being around the enemy. <clears throat> and when you're on your down moments, the enemy pounces. When somebody says the wrong thing to you and it hurts you deep. And in this church, I'm going to tell you guys, people's going to wrong you. You have to be forgiving, but it's going to hurt. And with that moment, the enemy's going to pounce. You ready for it? What are you going to do? When you do, what are you going to do on your down moments? What are you going to do when you realize you're treading waters you're not supposed to be treading? You pray. You pray like you've never prayed. You go into a realm of fasting like you've never, but I don't want to because I need to control this myself and I don't need God. Well, if you don't need God, then good luck with that. Because the enemy knows that attitude, that spirit of pride. The enemy will pounce at the spirit of pride because that's the devil's nature. That's his comfort. That's his ground. You're an enemy's territory. When you have that level of pride that you don't need God, you can handle it yourself. I know I waded out there in deep waters and I dug a huge hole and I know I got to get out of it. But that's the truth. You get into devil's 
language and you get into devil's attitude and you get into rebellion and hatred and malice and jealousy. You get into those spirits because each spirit, there's a spirit of jealousy that can get on to somebody. My mind visions it right now. There's a spirit of, of, uh, I'd say violence, but the brutal spirit can get on somebody. There's spirits that get on somebody, and then it's something. It's something how the devil conditions us. Is this too deep? And I know Sister Hague's following us. Following me. I say us, me and the Lord. I know Sister Hague's following I want to make sure we're all on the same page because the enemy wants to condition us to get comfortable around danger. The most people that get bit by rattlesnakes is people that got comfortable around rattlesnakes. If I heard a rattlesnake, and where did somebody heard a rattlesnake down southern Indiana? I think Brother Reed, maybe somebody? No. <clears throat> somebody talked about being around a rattlesnake. What'd they do? Everybody split. Everybody went, people went that way and people went this way and they, they all got scared. Just recently happened. There was a rattlesnake down in southern Indiana. If there's a rattlesnake up here, we would be freaked out because we're not too conditioned to be around something that rattles and is very poisonous and can kill you in one bite. But those people down in Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia... Sometimes they get really complacent and comfortable around rattlesnakes. And they end up getting bit. We start forgetting. Amen. 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 So, moving on. The Bible talks about, in this next scripture verse... I asked my mom, I said, Mom, can you put this on my door? Can you put this on my other door? I was lived in an upstairs bedroom of my dad's house that he's at right now. And so <clears throat> I asked him, I asked my mom, so mom's like, yeah, I'll get you, because I'm always asking her to print stuff off. So she's like, yeah, I'll print you off another thing. So what does she print off? She prints off this in, in Colossians 2 and verse 23. Which things indeed of show of wisdom and will worship. Will worship. Brother Erskine has said he don't ask people to raise their hands and praise God. He don't ask people to lift their hands. He don't ask for people to worship. Why? Because of the scripture right here. And wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body and not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. I said, that's the recipe for victory. That's the recipe to live a victorious life. That's the recipe. That's exactly, that's the secret to the sauce of a warrior for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Which things indeed a show of wisdom and will worship. Worship because you want to. Worship when it goes a little bit further than worship. Worship when everybody's done worshiping and you're still worshiping. You're still giving God praise. When everybody's done clapping, you're still clapping into the presence of the Lord. When everybody's done shouting hallelujah, you're underneath the pew shouting hallelujah. I give you praise. 
I give you glory. It doesn't take the worship leader to say, "Now let everybody worship your hand, or let everybody lift up hands." You're over here with your hands raised for hours, shouting and praising and giving God praise. When everybody shows up at six, you were there at five o'clock, going hallelujah. I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. You, you want to know a recipe for a victorious life? Before you go to church, before you get into your car, you're in the bedroom worshiping and crying and giving God praise. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. How many times as a young person, as a teenager, we decided to go to church a little bit early. We were either going to play basketball or we we're going to pray and get into the presence of the Lord. And sometimes we chose to pray and get into the presence of the Lord. And some people, some of the young people from the community were crying and worshiping and giving God praise. Victory in the youth, victory in church, victory. We had marches around church. Why? Because some young people decided to push themselves aside. I know I want to play basketball, but I want to get into the presence of the Lord more. I know I want to go out and play, but I want God more. It's something totally different when we are made to go to church. It's something totally different when we have to. We, I got to because my dad and mom's here. I'm talking about my mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. I have to because I'm being made to and I'm just showing up just to keep the peace in the home. This is the recipe for revival is when you, when you have wisdom and will worship. It doesn't matter what's happening after church. It doesn't matter what's about to happen before church. My main focus is Jesus and seeing people get to heaven. The next thing, humility. Humility. Lowering yourself. John the Baptist, he come out of the wilderness eating locusts. Ew. And honey. Yay. Bugs. Ew. Locusts, yay. Why did he do that? He had to be separated from the world because he was going to be the forerunner of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He had to be separated and set apart and brought in. He was a Nazarene. He was, he looked like a unmade bed, you might say. His face was all hairy. He had hair down to here because he didn't cut it. He had hair on his head that was as long as it could be, not even washed. I would say washed, washed. I'm just messing, but he was he he was he was he was a weird looking fella. But he was God's messenger. God called him to do this. He he was he was he was so in a place of not taking any praise. He had to be because some some guys at that same time frame was on the same scene claiming to be Christ when Jesus was walking on earth. But none of them had the prophecies fulfilled like Jesus did. And he had to humble himself. And There's a revelation God gave me in John the Baptist because John the Baptist, he was a man that was humbled. And he knew that God Almighty was going to humble himself in flesh. Therefore, he had to be humble and not start a movement. He had to keep himself under check. And it didn't take much. It didn't take much. Why? Because he come out of the wilderness. 
eating locusts and honey. Why does God use humble people? Because humble people don't take the praise. Humble people don't take the glory. When somebody goes, man, you sure sung tonight. They don't go, oh, I know I did. They say, man, God used me. And I'm thankful God used me. If it wasn't for the Lord, where would I be? They're always deflect and reflect. And they're always like a mirror. They're always trying to take that praise like light and let it shine back to the Lord. Every time somebody gives a compliment, to God be the glory. They don't want any praise. They don't want any glory. Humility. Pride rises up. Lucifer then gains control of the ship. If it was pride in John the Baptist's heart, you know what happened to him? He would have started his own church. He would have built his own kingdom. And he would have, he would have stopped the will of God. But God knew who he called. Amen. You know who's a type and shadow of John the Baptist? The church of the living God today. We were called out. We were set apart. We are to be humble. We are to have our head on straight. Because we're preparing the way of the Lord. We're preparing the second coming of the Lord. That's why we're preaching in the streets. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You are John the Baptist. We have been called out of the wilderness. We have been called out of this world and we are to be preaching the gospel. No matter if we've got to give our head for the gospel's sake, we're going to do like John the Baptist did and gave his head for the gospel's sake. Amen. Amen. You are. We didn't come from eating bugs, but we sure came from a bad past and a bad place and God brought us to where he wanted us. Am I perfect? I'm not where I want to be, but I'm working on getting to where I need to get. Humility, neglecting of the body, neglecting of the body. This, this is confusing. Why would you neglect the body? Why would you neglect the body? Because if you neglect the body, you can hear God's voice a little louder. Huh? If you neglect the body, you can... Because you can, your voice, you have a voice. God has a voice. The devil has a voice. You have a voice. Your, it, which is your conscience. Your conscience talks. Your conscience says you probably shouldn't touch that fire anymore. You probably shouldn't slap that police officer. Your conscience works. I'm thankful for the conscience. The Bible says some people, their conscience is sear with the hot iron. That's why they do things that are unseemly, evil, wicked. Because their conscience is seared. If you push God's voice away so many times, you're going to end up pushing that own God-given voice away that God talks to you. And then you start doing things really messed up. Well, if you don't believe me, ask why in the world would a lady get married to her dog in India? I guarantee her conscience said that's not right. And I guarantee the world probably told her that wasn't right. Why, why would a girl marry herself even? She had a ceremony and married herself. In order for that to happen, you have to have seared your conscience. Your conscience had to have been seared. And when you sear something, there's irreparable damage to the nerves. Like my dad said this morning, I'm preaching several messages all at the same time. 
Neglecting of the body. Why would you neglect the body? Why would you say no to yourself? Why would you restrict yourself? Why would you put restrictions on yourself? Because you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What are you doing? Why are you neglecting the body? Why are you putting yourself through torment? Why are you putting yourself through this pain? I remember asking the young people, why don't we uh, fast for Mountain Dew? And oh my goodness, it it was like, what? Because I had Mountain Dew galore in the youth room. But we're going to have another youth room. We're going to have another youth group just as cool as that, and we need to start it today. We had so much Mountain Dew, and we had so much chips and snacks. And I call the fast. I said, we're not going to neglect our body, and we're not going to drink Mountain Dew. And it was X's in everybody's eyes. And one person was like, I don't like Mountain Dew, but I'll sure fast from another drink, they told me. And all of a sudden, everybody got on board. I'm like, whoa. See, we were having youth, and it was just about a handful of us. And the youth that we were having was just nothing more than just a room like this. And down the street, they were having... It was like a big, it was a pool hall is what it is. It's a souped up religious pool hall. And then they were having their upper room, upper room pool hall games and different things. And then here I was, we're going to neglect the body. We're going to fast from Mountain Dew. I got the video of it. We ended up, I remember walking out and seeing this girl walking up and she had her hat backwards and pair of pants on and she she came to came to youth and she's I heard you guys are having youth I want to come I came from the upper room I want to see what's going on here and it was Danielle sister Danielle from Knox and we she came and she was like man I really like this I really feel good here I really feel Connected here, and we had Kristen, Chris, Kristen, Kristen. We had Ralphie, and we had Michael and Ryan, and we had issues because we were neglecting the body, and we were pushing food away. And she decided she was going to bring stuff that wasn't Bible, makeup and jewelry. She wanted to bring that, and I know the Bible talked about bringing things and having bonfires, books written by witches, and uh, bringing items that wasn't godly. And so one thing led to another, and pretty soon we got makeup being brought, we got pants being brought, we had, we had one girl brought a whole, whole drawer full of brand new pants, and believe me, this fire smoldered and it smelled nasty for days. I would say three days for sure. It sat there and smoked. Why? Why would that happen? It's because some people got together and said, you know what, I'm going to push back. I'm not going to neglect the body. What does that do for you? I'll tell you what that does for you. 
Okay, when you neglect a body, you push, you say, hey, self, I know what you want, and you're not going to get it today. Let's wait on God. Let's pray. You put yourself in a subjection, you're willing to say no to a plate of food, you're willing to say no to your desires and your wants, then all of a sudden, the devil seems so small. When you get back to yourself and start doing what you know to do every day. A lot of people think when you fast, you're going to get power when you fast. No, you're going to get power after you fast. What is the power you're talking about? You're going to get superhuman strength? No. What's going to happen after you fast and you get regain your strength again? You're going to say, God, what do you want? And the Lord's going to speak clearer to you than he did before. Why? Because you abased yourself. You humiliated yourself. You frustrated yourself. And now you can hear God's voice louder than you did before. This ain't going to be the only time I preach this message because there's going to be a lot of people that's way at ground zero in their faith and they don't know how to get to here. In order for them to get to here, they're going to need to hear. You need to pray and you need to fast. You need to humble yourself. You've been fe- Every time you get hungry, you feed yourself. Every time you get thirsty, you give yourself a drink. Every time, if, if you got a pain in one part of your body, you adjust it and move around. You always have control. But when you decide to put yourself through something that's not against the Word of God right. and harming the Word of God, but yet you're still obeying it in prayer and fasting. Amen. Yes. Power comes. What, where does power come from? It comes from God. Where does the power come from? Normally, you wouldn't hear God say, go pray for that man in that handicapped chair. Normally, you wouldn't do it because your body would say, don't do it. You can make a fool of yourself. But when you have put yourself under subjection, and now you're willing to listen to God's voice, and you're listening, now you're listening. Any normal average day, you wouldn't be listening like you are at this moment because you have put yourself you have tuned into the presence of the Lord and to His voice. The Lord says, go. Somebody gets healed. How many times is God, he, God calling? And we're so full of ourselves. Amen? Amen? Neglecting of the body, not in any honoring, honor to satisfying of the flesh. There's a war going on. I just told you how to win it. Well, I feel like I'm losing. Are you listening to God's voice? Because He's speaking pretty clear. I'm not hearing a voice. What do you need to do to hear God's voice? What do you like to do? What pleases the flesh? Fast. I'm just going to fast without praying. Guess what you just did? You just frustrated your flesh. You just didn't eat. You just made yourself mad. But when you fast, you fast. Some things, Jesus said that some things don't come but prayer and fasting. You know the presidents, most presidents in history always fasted one day a week. You know that? Why? Because it's a purifying. It gets all the impurities out of your body. It causes you to think more clear. 
There's going to come a time where this church is doing so much prayer and so much fasting that there's going to be so many miracles that happen. I'm, I'm speaking in the future here. There's going to be so many miracles and so many people deflecting that it was God. Yeah, leave my name out of it. Say somebody prayed, but don't use my name. Give God the praise when this is all said and done. Not any honoring to the satisfying of the flesh. Millionaires given to the church and saying, don't drop my name. Leave my name out of it. Why? Because you're going to steal my blessing. You're going to steal it. Jesus dealt with this when he dealt with the Pharisees. They want to show themselves a fair speech. They want to show themselves that they give much. And they're, they're eloquent in their speech when they're praying. And, and that they've got their reward whenever they show everybody how much they give. But this is something secret. Something, the revival that's happening, it needs to be taught is you're going to have to be selfless and you're going to have to put yourself low so that God can be raised up. Amen. This is Colossians 2 victory. This is part of the colossal message. Fighting depression. Fighting depression. How many times you say me, me, me when you should be saying him, him, him. When you should be saying, Jesus, 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 and Jesus I breathe, and Jesus I move. Sometimes when I'm praying, all I can say is, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're everything. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. How many prideful people say, I, 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 me, 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 and they sing that song? But the Christians sing him, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He, 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 he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Can we all stand? Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. You're worthy to be praised.